You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. I don't know that unless you need the money, I don't think that I would sell here because something's going to happen that's going to, there's going to be some catalyst, some trigger mechanism. I don't know if it's going to be a Fed pivot or what, you know, um, maybe something geopolitical happens. Who knows? Something's going to happen that'll ignite this sector and it's going to run quickly and it's going to, and, and, you know, it'll be led by gold and silver and they're going to move quickly higher and then the mining stocks will follow. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers, touching base with Dave Kranzler of Investment Research Dynamics. Dave is also the editor of the Mining Stock Journal. Dave, welcome back onto the program. I know that you track uh, investor sentiment in this sector. Uh, and you subscribe to some services for that, but you also get feedback because you write this journal. Share with us a little bit about your thoughts of what investors are feeling right now and uh, what are your thoughts as well? Hey, investors feel great about this sector, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, you know, the sentiment's terrible right now. And it's it's not just it's not just investors, it's it's mining company managements and CEOs especially the juniors. Um, I'm, I know we'll get to it later. I'm sure that the caliber, the caliber share management is, is, you know, dancing a jig in their office because of the, you know, the deal they just struck. But, um, I, I mean, right now people like to say this is the toughest market they've ever seen. Um, I don't know how many of those lived through the 2000, late 2011 to end of 2015 mini bear market in the sector. I mean, there were there was a couple years in there, probably 2013, 2014, when the sentiment was just as bad. Um, and then, um, you know, again, there's I, I'd say a fairly decent percentage of the investors that are active in the sector now didn't get active in this sector until after 2012 or after 2016, right? And so, um, there's not a lot of us around who remember what it was like in 2008, and it was a shorter time span for the market to do what it did but the market in terms of valuations got just as washed out back then as it did now and if you if you you know if you do it put a long-term chart and you just you just graph um gdx as a ratio of gold you can see that you know it was almost as cheap back then as it is now um it's actually been a little bit cheaper relative to the end of 2015 and it's it's about where it was when the twenty year bear market from nineteen eighty to two thousand was bottoming out back in two thousand two thousand one. I I jumped into the sector in in uh, early two thousand one, and so you know the valuations relative to the stock market and gold and silver um, were just as bad then as they are now. I mean, and talk about sentiment. I mean, there there weren't even a lot of investors in this sector back then. Now there's a lot of investors. I'm actually surprised how many are hanging in. Um, and that includes my subscriber base. I mean, I've, my subscriber base is lower than it was a year and a half ago, but that's to be expected. But it, it's, um, I, I think people are feeling pain with valuation levels and what's happened to these stocks. But at the same time, I think they see the same things that we do and that's why they're, they're, they're willing to hang around. And so, um, will we recover from this? I don't know. What, oh, a point I wanted to make is that um, one of the things that these mining companies learned from the 2011 to 2016 period or into 2015, and also same thing back in, in 2008, was that 
a lot of these juniors with good projects, they're in better shape than they were during those previous two periods. They kind of learned. I mean, there was a lot of companies that went out of business in between 2000, late 2011 and, and two, 2015. They couldn't raise capital. I mean, it, it, there's still companies today that are, the companies are able to still raise capital if they've got a good project. And there's, there's capital out there. There's investors out there, investment funds out there that have capital to invest in these things. Uh, you know, when, when you see what happens to stocks like Marathon today, it sucks for the Marathon shareholders because in a better market, Marathon is worth a lot more than it is now. But um, for companies who are willing to take the risks, you know, like Caliber and, and say, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy at what I think is the bottom. I think the potential payoff down the road is huge. And the same thing for investors, um, you know, individual investors like us. If you're if you're willing to hold your nose and buy, you know, if you've got cash <laughs> that's still around to invest, some people don't. Um, some people went all in and they just have to ride them out. I don't know that unless you need the money, I don't think that I would sell here because something's going to happen that's going to, there's going to be some catalyst, some trigger mechanism. I don't know if it's going to be a Fed pivot or what, you know, um, maybe something geopolitical happens. Who knows? Something's going to happen that'll ignite this sector and it's going to run quickly. It'll be led by gold and silver and they're going to move quickly higher and then the mining stocks will follow. Dave, do you think it could be a monthly close above $2,100 an ounce? Because I've heard people say that that could be the trigger where momentum traders, it comes up on their screen and here we come. I, you know, maybe, I don't know. I'm talking about, you know, the technicals are what they are. And I just, it drives me nuts that everyone gets so wrapped up in what the technicals are. Because, you know, what makes 2100 a magic number other than technicals? I don't know. I like to look at things from a fundamental standpoint and from a long-term standpoint. An all-time high monthly close, I think, is the the idea. Yeah, but I mean, technical triggers are short-term. And, you're, you know, what happens is everyone starts to pile in. You get speculators piling in, and it runs things up really quickly. And then they settle back in to where they should be, given the fundamental backdrop. So, yeah, I mean, if you're a short-term trader, maybe 2100 is the trigger point. You know, maybe you're going to jump in, and you're going to, you know, swing and trade GD, um, you know, GLD or whatever, you know, gold futures or some of these mining stocks, you know, you're going to hold them for a month or two, maybe make, you know, 10, 15%, whatever, I don't know, whatever the number is. And, and then you're going to sell. And, you know, and then what will happen is there'll be a correction from that technical move and you'll look smart. And then what's going to happen is, you know, especially the, the momentum guys are going to be on to whatever the next thing is that's moving. And they're going to miss the big move in this sector because because the big move, the big move isn't from XYZ stock going from 10 cents to 20 cents, right? XYZ stock with 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 a project that's getting, you know, will possibly have a mine pouring gold within two years. Um, the big move in a stock like that is from 10 cents to 80 cents. So, and that's that's the kind of move that I'm looking for. And that's the kind of move that I think is available in these junior mining stocks if you pick the right ones. And if, you know, everything, you know, if, if there is a catalyst that actually happens that gets this sector ignited again. Now that, you know, it's been this way, like I said, I mean, I can think of at least three cycles in the past 21 years that have been as brutal as this one, maybe not as long in duration, although <laughs> four years from four and a half years from late 2011 to, to the end of 2015 was pretty long. Um, 
And, and so, you know, the previous three or four times when we've had environments like this, you know, something's happened and it's ignited the sector. And, uh, you know, so maybe it won't happen this time, but, you know, I'm betting that it will. Some have talked about how mergers and acquisitions can ignite the sector. I don't think this uh, caliber marathon deal will do that, especially from the marathon side. I've already seen a lot of comments with upset marathon shareholders. Maybe they bought at $3.50 a share 26 months ago, so they're not happy with a $0.84 cent takeover premium. Um, Dave, what are your thoughts? Any more thoughts on this deal? <laughs> and maybe you should mention what stock you own of the two companies. <laughs> well, let's circle back a bit because, you know, part of the problem with, I think part of the problem that a lot of marathon shareholders might have is, is a lot of them got caught up in that media that hit Newfoundland projects couple years ago remember i mean newfoundland gold um marathon uh, there was another takeover back then atlantic gold or something i forget with, with who i say barbara's or uh yeah exactly and so there was kind of like a a, a a bubble mania that hit the sector and the valuations in these stocks just just got out of control i mean as we were talking you know earlier I mean, newfound gold hit a two billion dollar Canadian in Canadian dollar market cap, one point six billion dollars in U.S. Something like that. And you know, uh, you know, back when that happened, I, I had I had subscribers who owned it, and they were would ask me about it. And I'm like, look, what if they sh they don't even have a resource estimate? Yeah, I'm sure there's a valuable mine here someday, but how long is it going to take? What are the risks that are involved? And is it worth one point six billion for what they've shown so far? No. You know, Eric Sprott didn't invest in new, newfound, but he invested at a much lower level, right? <laughs> and and so people got caught up in the mania and chased these stocks. And I think they overshot what their intrinsic fundamental values were for what they had shown at that point. And that was a couple of years ago when they were much, most of these projects were in their infancy. And, and so, you know, in the type of environment that we're in now, yeah, I mean, these, these stocks have gotten battered hard, but they also overshot to the upside. Now I'm saying now they're probably have overshot to the downside. And from the caliber standpoint, well, A, they're, they're taking a risk here because it's still not a finished mine project. And since this mania started, I, to my recollection, I don't think there's been any major gold mines that have gotten over the finish line in that time period. And that doesn't, I'm not saying it can't happen or it won't happen, but let's see it happen. And I think caliber is I know Caliber pretty well. I've, I've chatted with management. Um, it's it's been a buy recommendation since it was under a dollar. Um, I mentioned to you earlier. I was I was actually happy to see the stock get banged today because I I wanted to put some in my personal account. We have we have a position in in the in the small fund that I run with my partner at higher levels. You know, I think my our average cost is around a dollar U.S. But um, I wanted to put some in my personal account, and so you know, I bought some this morning. <laughs> You know, almost almost near the bottom. Of, you know, we're bottomed out this morning. So, and I'm probably going to buy more. Caliber's management, they they really know what they're doing, especially in operating mines. And I know people are put off by the idea of Nicaragua, but if you actually do the research in the political environment down there towards mining, I mean, it's it's great. I'm not saying that you know it's less risky than Nevada or Canada, but I, you know, I feel more comfortable being, quite frankly, at this point, and we'll see what happens you know, after the elections in Mexico next year, but I feel more comfortable being invested in caliber with two mines in, in Nicaragua than I would be if they had 
you know, projects in Mexico where, where it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of chaos there. And it also depends on what, what state that you're of Mexico, that you're, you're developing your project in as to whether or not you have a shot at getting permitted. Now that could change when, after the elections and, and AMLO's gone, thank God. But, um, you know, the, the two mines that Nicaragua has, I mean, that caliber has in Nicaragua, I mean, they're, they're incredibly profitable. They're, they're pushing through extremely high grade gold. I mean, the grades that they're pushing through there are ridiculous. You know, in, in the context of a Nevada or, or Canada mine, they really seem, seem to know how to build a project, get it over the finish line, operate it, and then optimize it. And I, I've watched them do that down in Nicaragua. And I have a feeling that's what they're going to do with, with, um, you know, the marathon project. And so if, if you're a marathon shareholder and you're pissed off at this deal, and I would be pissed off too if I were in your shoes. I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of it. I mean, this is, that's one of the things that sucks about the type of environment that we're in right now. And that's my biggest fear with, with some of the stock, the juniors that I cover that I know are going to have mines eventually and are just ridiculously, absurdly undervalued right now relative to what they have. I know the risk is, is that a company will come in and put a takeover offer on the board. And the management has no choice but to take it to the board and the shareholders. And so you can have these these mines. You're still gonna, you know, if you if you buy them down at these levels and wait for that to happen, if it's gonna happen, you're still gonna make money on it. But you're not gonna make nearly as much as you could have if if the company was allowed to stand alone and get the project on its own over the finish line. So if you're if you're a pissed off marathon shareholder and you have some extra cash to put to work. Buy caliber stock because this is a gift. This is a gift from the mining stock gods that caliber's down 11% on this deal. Because you know, just on the cursory look that I that I took of the of what Marathon looks like right now, after I saw you know this, that this deal happened, this, Nick uh, Caliber is getting a great deal for Marathon, and it's going to be a home run for them. So I mean, you know, if you're sitting on losses on your Marathon stock. Um, Wait and, and get the share for share exchange, but also buy some caliber down here. Because caliber was trading, and I'm this is US dollars. It's at 88 cents now. It was trading dollar, I think it got as high as a dollar nineteen, like in the last six months. For sure a dollar twelve. I know because I, I I bought a little bit there in my fund. <laughs> Dave, are there any names uh, you're willing to share? Besides sure. caliber? I- <laughs> well, I was gonna I was going to talk about caliber anyway. I, I, you know, I wasn't sure if you were going to bring it up as a topic. So, um, I was going to recommend buying caliber on this, on this transaction and, and the, and the sell off in caliber shares. Um, a couple of these stocks, I think I've mentioned in the past. And as I said to you earlier, you know, like a dog returns to his vomit, (laughs) you know, I want to return to these because I think they deserve a lot of attention and they're both actually all three of them aren't that well known. Um, and, you know, so they're, you believe in averaging pers- down then, right? Fortunately, fortunately for Viva Gold, I, you know, it's it's. I started accumulating it right around this level. It's just been at this level for I don't know, probably nine months, nine six to nine months, um, and that's that's a function of the market, not a function of the worthiness of the project. Uh, and and so one of them is Viva Gold. And I know I've mentioned it on here in the past, or a couple, probably a couple of years ago. But it's got a it's got an open pit near surface, you know, medium grade for the most part. But it's got a, a high grade aspect to it that'll be mined out first. 
and it's it's in um, the Walker Lane trend in Nevada in Tonopah. It's called the Tonopah Project, and um, it's this has got to be one of the easiest projects I've ever looked at at getting it from where it is now to a, an open pit simple heat bleach mining operation, and it's small, and that might be part of the reason as to why the market doesn't care about it. But it's got a thirteen million dollar market cap, and um, the way that I value these things, I think it's worth at least a hundred million dollars. And that doesn't mean that you're going to get a ten bagger out of this if you buy the stock here. I mean, there's there's a couple companies in that area that could could end up buying this project from Viva or buying Viva in its entirety before this thing gets to the finish line. One of them being Kenross. They've got a their Round Mountain mine is not too far north. I think it's, I think it's pretty simple shot on paved roads. So the the thinking there is, and they they have excess capacity at their processing facility. The thinking is that, um, and they they're putting in an underground portion. They're almost mined out on their open pit portion. The thinking is that you know this would be a great property for them to purchase and then truck the ore to their processing facility, and then that would save the upfront cost of building a mine. You know, so at this point, this this projects probably more valuable than a company like Kinross um, than it would be if you sit and wait for this thing to get taken to the mine stage. Um, if it does get taken to the mine stage, I think it's worth at least $100 million. There's been some other projects in in the area that have been acquired. Um, Anglo Gold Asante looks like it's trying to consolidate the region a little bit. Um, Centera um, bought another a mining company there or you know a development company. And they paid the equivalent of around, I think the average transaction cost. And these mines are a little, they will be a little bit bigger than what Viva has. But, you know, the average cost, again, it's off the top of my head, but around 150 million bucks for those projects. So certainly this thing's worth a lot more than 13 million. Um, the second stock that, I, and I, this one just really blows my mind, is Paramount Gold. EZG is the symbol. There's not a Canadian ticker on, on Paramount. Um, it's, it's got fully diluted about 55 million shares outstanding management has a track record of taking a project, getting it over the finish line, selling it. The last project they sold to core and they, they spun out, um, one of the, one of the projects that's still on the back burner and they went and they acquired, um, the grassy mountain project in South, in Southwest Oregon, Southern Southwest Oregon. And that may be what people are worried about permitting in Oregon. Well, here, here's here's the good news. Um, they they're in the pro the state is in the process right now, and they don't they don't need uh, BLM. Um, they don't need a federal mining license. The state's in the process of writing the the license the 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 license to construct and operate a mine. Now, again, that doesn't mean it's for sure going to happen. But if they've gotten it this far down the road with the state. Then it's it's probably they're probably going to be awarded um, their mining licenses. The region badly needs the jobs and the tax revenue that this mine would produce. Um, the market cap for for uh, Paramount's nineteen million, and if you look at their project, if you look at the the feasibility study, the net present value of it is one hundred forty six million. Well, I don't I don't like to look at just you know hey look at the net present value of our project discounted at five percent or whatever. So what I like to do is I'll take that net present value and um, if, if everything goes smoothly and if, you know, they, by law, the state has 12 months to issue the permits 
from a couple of weeks ago when they got the notice to proceed. Um, if everything goes smoothly, this thing will be pouring gold in two years. So two and a half, two, two and a half. So I took that MPV and discounted it back at 20% because I want to see what it looks like with a true equity rate of return built into it. And your market cap is, the, the MPV of the project is still 101 million. So you're talking about 5X from the current market cap. Now, to me, the risk reward upside is heavily skewed to the to the upside. So, and you know, your downside is not zero if for some reason the state says no, we don't want to, we don't want a gold mine in our in our state, which I don't think will happen. But you know, it's 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 still a risk until it happens. But they've got another project in Nevada that um, what I think is going to happen is I think once they get permitted, I think a company like Caliber is going to come along and buy the project. And these guys will spin out this other project in Nevada and then go develop that one. So it's, you know, they're going to try and repeat. I think they'll try to repeat the same iteration that they did when this thing was originally Paramount Gold and Silver. So um, we own a big position of that in in the fund that I that I operate. I haven't, I haven't put any in my personal account yet, but um, I, I will when I think, because I've got a lot of capital committed to this sector already. Uh, and most of it I've put to put to work in the last couple months, um, because again I I'm making a bet that you know we're we're at or near a bottom, and you know like not again I'm not guaranteeing we're going to pull out of this, but I think you know the odds are we we will, um, and so and you know again there there's still risks with with Paramount just like there's still risks with Vivo. But it's it's mostly de-risked, and I, and I, again, I think it's undervalued here because people aren't willing to take the time to talk to the company, talk about the permitting risks, and then try and understand why the state of Oregon would or would not permit this mine. And I believe they will because, like I said, it, it's it's going to be a huge economic boom for that area, and it's an economically depressed area. So Dave, you've obviously done your research. Like if you tell me Wyoming, I'm going to think conservative. They're going to be more friendly to mining. When I hear Oregon, especially when any election I watch, it's always dark blue. So, but what you're saying is you've done the research and you don't think it's going to be an issue with the local legislature or whoever issues this permit. They're already, they already have the green light from, from the county that they're in. The county wants this project. Have you ever spent any time in Oregon? No. Hmm. <laughs> Oregon is an interesting state because you've got the left side of Oregon, which is on the coast, right? Portland, Eugene. And that's, that's what I think people think of when they think, oh, Oregon's full of tree huggers and they're, you know, they're never going to let mines operate in Oregon. Um, but once you go just a little bit to the, to the east of, of the left coast of Oregon, it gets conservative very quickly. I mean, and so, you know, it's, it's probably more like Montana or Wyoming in that part of Oregon that, than what people think of because they're thinking of Eugene, you know, that was, that was a Grateful Dead, the Mecca, um, or Portland. So, um, I, I don't know that the state would have, would have allowed this thing to get this far if, if it wasn't going to get over the finish line and get issued permits, but who knows? We'll see. Like I said, that's part of the reason why it's got this market cap. But I think um, even more so is the fact that it's not a well-known company and they don't spend money pimping themselves like a lot of these companies do. And we all know who those companies are. Some of them are in Newfoundland. 
<laughs> so so they they put most of their almost all of their money into this project and management owns a decent chunk of this so you know they've got skin in the game that's that's one of the things that i like to look for when i'm looking at these at these um these project companies and you know to circle back to caliber what the one of the first time i looked at that the first time i spoke to management you know the stock had gotten beaten it was beaten down and it you know the 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 guy that I talked to there, he said, yeah, as, as soon as we get the, the, you know, the blackout period lifted, there's a bunch of us who are going to buy shares and they did. So that's what I like to see. And that brings me to my next one is Cabral Gold. And I don't know, you know, if people in the audience are familiar with this, they've got a project down in Brazil. It's, it's, it's near surface, open pit, heap leach. There's also, um, a, a deeper component where there's, there's, uh, even higher grade gold and it's probably, they've got several, it looks like they're going to have several deposits on their project property. And, um, but right now what they're doing is there's, there's a at to near surface, what they call an oxide blanket layer. And it's essentially high grade oxide gold that's in mud and soft rock. And it is probably about as cheap as it gets to process in terms of extracting the gold. And they have a trial mining permit from, from, you know, the country from Brazil. They, 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 so they're permitted to build a mine, you know, a small mine operation and start processing it. And they're in the process of working to that. And it, again, it's one of these things, if everything goes smoothly and assuming they can raise the financing to to do the upfront cap, and they'll be able to do the upfront cap X for this thing, they'll be pouring gold from this, from this. And it's, this is like high grade, just stupidly cheap to process relative to, even a standard open pit heap leach operation, they'll be pouring gold by probably late 2024, and they're going to use the they'll use the cash flow from that to advance the rest of the of the project because there's a much bigger project here. And I, you know, I throw this number out. I, I taught the CEO is awesome. He's he's a Brit. He's hilarious, and I'll I'll like try to drag information out of him, and I'm like, you know, Alan, this this kind of feels like a three to five million ounce property. What do you think? He and he'll just say we think we've got a lot of gold here we're sitting on. So, um, but one of the things I wanted to mention about that is he's, he's the most aggressive buyer of the stock. Every time they raise money, he participates in the financing. Um, he's the largest individual shareholder. And how many, how many, my junior mining stocks have you looked at where management participates in the financing every single time they raise money? And, and when, when they released the results of the, of the, of the pre-feasibility study on this um, near surface, you know, quick to get to production mine operation. I'm like, I'm like, Alan, I mean, this, this, this stock is just stupidly cheap. What's, what do you think the problem is? He's like, look, it's the market. And he goes, he goes, look, I, I know what I'm sitting on here. I'm a geologist. I've had success in the past and I know this one's going to be successful. And that's why he puts his own money into this thing. I mean, he, he's, <laughs> The last time they did a financing, you know, they had a little bit of trouble getting it over the finish line. And it was, you know, it was in a, in a rough patch in the market. And I said, so, we, you know, are you going to buy some? He goes, he goes, I'm, I'm tapping out my IRA to, to buy more shares here. <laughs> and Dave, when you look for management skin in the game, you know, in these conversations, one of the things at least I try to pick up on is what you're investing relative to your net worth. So some guys can throw around a million dollars and they really don't care if they lose it or not. Other guys, if they, if they write a million dollar check, that's like 75% of their net worth. 
So do you kind of try to pick up on that without being rude in the conversations? I'm not going to directly ask that, but you, you can tell when, you know, if you ask the right questions, you can get a sense. And, and I, I know this guy, he's a straight shooter. He's got a great sense of humor. And, and I know he's, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's opened up copy cans in the cabinet and pulled cash out to put more money into this thing. So, yeah. And it's kind of rare to find when you see that, but when you see that, you got to take a close look at, at what they've got to understand why. And this is one of those things. I, 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 now that it's down at this level, cause this one is, it's like, you know, like all these other stocks, this thing, I think traded as high as 60 cents back, you know, a few years ago when one of the, you know, manic runups we had in the sector. Um, and so, I mean, at nine cents us, I have no choice, but to buy it. Cause I, and again, I don't, I can't say that the market's not going to take it lower, but I leave cash available because if it goes to four cents, I'm going to double my position in this thing because the downside in this is not zero. They've, they've got economic value here. They, they just need to, to flush out the advancement of this thing. And you know, you're, you're probably about a year away from actual production if everything goes smoothly. Well, Dave, you write the mining stock journal, uh, any update there or for new listeners, maybe just, uh, tell them what that's about. Sure. Actually, the next issue is coming out Thursday, Thursday afternoon. I publish it uh, every two weeks, and um, I'll have a, a pretty in-depth analysis of Fortuna, Fortuna Silver and their latest, their third quarter results. So, again, I don't, I don't cover just the junior exploration projects. I'm overweighted in those because that's where that's where I think the real money can be made if you if you pick the right stocks. But I also I cover you know a handful of producers. New Gold, uh, I jumped on that back a few years ago and it got banged down to sixty cents and it's been over a dollar twenty between now and then. It's, uh, it's currently at a dollar thirteen. Um, Caliber Gold is one that it's a producer. Um, Fortuna, um, and I also include like if I see a short term trading opportunity in some of these large cap stocks, like they get sold off on what I think is for unnecessary reasons. Um, uh, you know, I'll mention that in, in the issue and just say, here's what I think about this. This is a trading opportunity. I'm not investing in it, but I'm buying, you know, short-term call options on it. So, um, but I publish it every two weeks. And if you want more information, my website's investmentresearchdynamics.com. And at the top, there's a link to the mining stock journal and you can get more information about what it's all about. I want to mention, um, I, I don't, I don't take sponsorship money. I don't get any compensation whatsoever. I don't even take warrants from these companies. So I, I really pride myself on being fully independent. I don't look at Bay street or wall street research. Sometimes people said it to me and I'll skim through it to see if maybe I, I'm missing something in why I might or not, might not like a stock. And I, again, it's, it's, I think I should mention it's not just, you know, pound the table on ideas that I really like. I get inquiry all the time on companies, you know, and if I don't like it, I'll put it in my, in my newsletter and explain why I don't like it. So first mining is a, a good example of, of a stock that I steered my subscribers away from way back in 2016. And the stock's lower now than it was then. <laughs> We all have winners and losers. So, um, yeah. That one did go on a run, though. I remember back in 2016, it ran for a little bit. It, it did. It, yeah. it had the the um, the Keith Newmeyer charm on it. Sit, put it that way. 
Yep. Well, Dave, always appreciate your insights. Uh, Thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks, Bill. It's good catching up with you. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty dollars or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10-for-1 returns as there is in small-cap and micro-cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident. And just do your work as best you can. Do your very best. But don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents. But it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.